This is One on One with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is One on One with Jasper Cole. Howdy, 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 everyone, and welcome to another edition of 101 with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, and we are live from uh, Blog Talk Radio Studios, and we are glad to be back. And if you're just tuning in live, that's great. If you're catching us on an uh, archive podcast, it's going to be this great information either way, because this is one of our episodes of the Horrors and Heroes of Homelessness. First of all, let me say hi to my trusted producer co-host mr jw williams hey buddy hey jasper welcome back i know you've been busy 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 oh <laughs> yeah February it's been crazy I, well that's i feel like january just kind of was a blur <laughs> i mean i don't know what happened oh, but, uh, yeah but it's glad to be back with our thursday night live shows and yeah. uh welcome and we're so excited to have of course our other special co-host as always mr general jeff page hey buddy Hey, how's hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me, Jasper and JW. Well, listen, Always glad we to be here. We can't do the show without you, obviously. Um, <laughs> I, you know, this is going to be well, our. Well, sure you can. I don't know if the production quality be as high. Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> oh, I'm here all week. Oh, if you waitress, no. everybody. <laughs> Try the liver, okay. But well, this is going to be our monthly, you know, first Thursday of each month. We're going to uh, try to bring you the episodes on the homelessness crisis. So uh, the big breaking news I've been waiting to hear is yes, uh, February fifth was going to be the the big event with the uh, Skid Row Neighborhood Council Formation Committee versus City of LA. So I you're here to kind of give everyone a, an update on what went down and what's happening and where do you go from here? Woo. Okay. So, you know, I, I, you know, all jokes aside, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and, and let the listeners know, um, you know, what exactly is going on real time information. And it's not, you know, of course, all things homelessness, but from a specific uh, perspective from Skid Row, which is commonly known as the homeless capital of America. Mm-hmm. And for those brand new listeners that don't know who I am, uh, born and raised in Los Angeles, so I care very, very greatly about my city. And I feel that the city of Los Angeles could be the greatest city in all the world. But, you know, all there's right. a lot of other things that can be improved. And I figured, you know, since, uh, you know, I'm born and raised in the Crenshaw District, as we call it now, these days, and I figured that with Skid Row being a majority African American population, that you know I you know can go go to Skid Row and and help improve things. And so in 2006, I reduced myself to intentionally reduced myself to a state of homelessness. Went to Skid Row so I could be at one with the people. And ever since, you know, 13 years later, I've uh, been trying to help improve the conditions there. And so. Um, over the years, I've done led many efforts, and so right now, I'm the uh, since June of 2014, I'm the chair of the uh, Skid Row Neighborhood Council Formation Committee, and what that is is we want to create our own governing body to help address our own issues in our own community, and so um, we're tired of waiting on uh, you know others who are powers that be at at all 
to uh, come up, create the, the viable uh, uh, homeless solutions, which just aren't happening. And, and they have these big, huge fanfare at these press conferences and, you know, all this great big, you know, anticipation, but there's little to nothing that they could point to that is working. And so um, we, we turned it, we had an election in, August, in April, 2017, our formation committee did. We let the community, and we had our election for the Skilled Labor Council, um, and then at the end of the day, uh, when the when the dust settled, they said we lost by sixty votes, six zero. Mm. Uh, we, you know, then of course we wanted to challenge um, because we knew that there were um, we not only did we have insight, but we had insight, but uh, from being involved in the process, but we also had uh, information leaked from an anonymous source. That led us to know that there was uh, some serious lobbying against, you know, Skid Row, and we're like homeless folks, poor folks, folks that you know are really you know suffering from extreme poverty at all, trying to band and bring a community together to rally in one this one uh, effort to create a table where all people from all walks of life can sit at this one very same decision making table and create the viable solutions to help improve the community for all of us, whether you're a resident, whether you're a business owner, property owner, or it was for all scheduled stakeholders. And so with that, uh we formed the uh you know, we you know, we, we uh formed an effort to uh fight back and exhausted all all efforts and then finally in a uh, July of 2017, we filed litigation against the city of Los Angeles, which now here we are almost, <clears throat> excuse me, three years later, um, we you know had our trial date on February 5th, as uh, Jasper just mentioned. And so, you know, here's the drum roll, the breaking <laughs> news. Uh, we lost our, well, let's say that, the, the, yeah, we basically, we lost the, uh, our trial date. And so the judge voted down, um, our petition for relief. And so, um, so there's good news and bad news out of that when we really, you know, so it, of course it's in a very, 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 that's three, very, 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 very emotional time for us, for the Skid Row community. Um, for one, uh, you know, nobody likes losing, you know, for two, this is right. such uh, there's so much hope that was put into this one solution that could, you know, do so much for so many different people, and especially a lot of voiceless folks, um, you know, because they have multiple board seats, so there are multiple people that could, you know, speak out about, you know, Skid Row and, and, and represent their community. Also, it would speed up the uh, homeless conversations to where the, currently there are, there are 99 neighborhood councils across the city of Los Angeles, and so with the Skid Row Neighborhood Council, you know, there's this annual, the typical meeting schedule is one board meeting per month. So that's 12 meetings plus five to 10 uh, committee meetings, you know, per month. And so we're looking at, you know, possibly, you know, anywhere from, you know, 10 to 15 meetings per month. So we're looking at around, you know, between, well, a little bit less than 10 to 15, but we're looking at around 100 meetings per year. So that that brand new meetings to discuss homelessness and homeless solutions, um, you know, on a new, very whole, whole new entire platform in a separate from what the others are already doing. And so we felt that from our Scarecrow Neighborhood Council, we can not only deal with local uh, community issues, but also initiate policies and initiatives that could go. We can put forth 
that would help the folks in City Hall on a, on a, on a local level and also in Sacramento on a state level and even Washington, D.C. on a federal level to deal with all different layers of homelessness at the same time. And so, um, so it's, again, it's very, very emotional. Um, and so we had, you know, many, many members from our Scarrow community there in court. And, you know, so, you know, the anticipation was, was, was huge. We, you know, we've been looking forward to the day for so long. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we, you know, at Skid Row, we don't, we did a small little fundraising campaign. We started it in uh, 2017 and we, you know, we got minimal donations in, in our first energy immediately after our um, election. And we knew that we were going to create some uh, litigation because, you know, for lawyers fees, filing fees, proof of service, all that, you know, all the things that come with the uh, litigation right. in the court. And so um, long story short, we, we already exhausted all of that, that little funding. And so, um, you know, we, we can't afford to go, you know, pay top dollar for the, the, the high, the expenses, expensive uh, uh, legal representation. And so we, you know, we can, you know, with pro bono, we can only take, you know, you, you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus as the chair of the Skiro Neighbor Council Formation Committee. It's, ultimately, it's my responsibility to bring this home. And so, um, the, the, just so it's clear, we the Skiro, we did not lose based on the merits of the case, the facts of the case. Uh, you know, and I dotted all the I's and crossed all T's and put forth, you know, as best um, a presentation of the facts. Uh, you know, known the man on the planet. And so mm-hmm. uh, what the, what the judge, uh, why the judge denied our petition uh, was basically for, be, due to um, a lack of legal requirements, if you will, in our petition, that things that I just was under, totally unaware of. And so it, in order, before our facts could be brought forth, they had to be brought forth in a way where there are mandatory mandatory citations and, and mm. you know, your case law and things of that sort that I didn't know they were mandatory. I figured, Hey, we, we have a strong presentation of the facts, you know, but then there were, you know, again, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but our uh, legal representation wasn't uh, to the level of where it should have been. And so we lost based on techni- on the technicality as opposed to the merits of the case. And so that was even, you know, you know, even double the the, the hurt and pain because right. we knew, uh, based on the merits of the court, we went in the landslide. The city of Los Angeles didn't even offer any evidence. They couldn't because we didn't do anything wrong. We're the victims. We got cheated out of an election, and so you know, the, all they offered was uh, some technical. Uh, they mentioned so you know, on, based on something that on technicality, if the city was going to win, they were going to win based on the technicality. And they put they questioned. Um, the legitimacy, the legitimacy of of some things that we have done in bringing this uh, case to trial, and the judge ruled in their favor based on those technicalities because it's you know again as the plaintiffs the burden of proof is on us right um, to to bring the case forth and so but we're saying you know this this is unique circumstances because this involves an election an election that the city of, of Los Angeles ad- administered and they still to this day they they failed to bring forth the the actual vote tallies they just came out of a back back room and said here's the final numbers and so mm. you know the paper ballots were were strong in our favor uh 183 votes yes votes to 19 no votes only 19 no votes but then they said oh but online voting which 
the city of Los Angeles, you know, only two weeks, less than two weeks before our election, they approved that. And then he said, oh, there was, you know, oh, 807 uh, no votes to 531 yes votes. And so that was the difference. Then you add all of that up, and then it comes the paper ballots and online votes, and it comes up to uh, we lost by 60 votes. And so all we're saying is validate the online votes. And so through discovery, they've got to give that up, and they never did. And even but to this trial, they still haven't three years later. And so we're saying the burden of proof is on them. How, how, they got to validate the election first before right. it's official. And it's virtually impossible for us to fulfill our obligation to, uh, for the burden of proof um, without proof, <laughs> they, without the proof that the election was on the up and up and above board. And so um, ultimately the judge like, well, since the burden of proof is on you and you didn't, you didn't fulfill your obligation uh, in terms of the uh, burden of proof requirement, so I'm ruling against you. And it's like, what? <laughs> so, well, you know, I mean, and then and it was other other – couple other things we 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 just did we it was just basically a, a sloppy uh petition that we filed and it just wasn't uh if you know if we'd have had a, a better um a better legal uh uh petition um we you know we our case you know we felt the case would have gone in a much different direction it would have been right in sync with our the merits of the, of the case and so it's unfortunate to have this golden opportunity Mm-hmm. to uh you know create this uh historically you know life changing governing body uh, uh uh that would not only help homelessness in America but all the way around the you know third world countries uh, around the world and so to have missed this golden opportunity to fall short based on the technicality oh it just hurts me personally from within so deep and so um, you know, I guess this is kind of like a therapy session. You guys allow me good, to vent, so I really good. appreciate it. Well, here's my question. I know you don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I have no problem doing that. So I guess, <laughs> I guess oh, no. my first question is, if, if, they're doing, if they're ruling on the technicality, is there, let's just say in a perfect world, like let's say money's not an issue or, I mean, do you have the opportunity then to go back and, fix those technicalities and refile or is it just like it's a, it's done deal? Well, that's what we're in the process of, of researching now is the appeal it process. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the, it would be wonderful to have an, an appeal and just jump on that right away. You know, this is a civil matter. So it's about civil appeals right. uh, as opposed to a criminal appeal. So there are different, uh, uh, metrics in terms of, of what warrants a valid uh, uh, appeal, and so there are requirements, and then there's limited uh, categories. And so, you know, if there was a like in a criminal uh, appeal, it was whether you know the you know illegal evidence was planted, mm-hmm. you know there there factors in the case, you know someone didn't get their due diligence to you know in court and. You know, then whatever we had, there's a long list of, you know, much longer list, but in, in terms of civil, um, you know, there's, a, you know, I have to research it more, but there's not a whole lot of information out there to begin with. And it's like, oh, we've got to do a deeper dive. And so, so ultimately, we're looking for um, a, a civil appeals attorney mm-hmm. that, so especially, you know, in this, at this, with the stakes this high, somebody that's, you know, already experienced 
and knows what they're doing. It's, you know, because it's our fault, you know, because, again, we couldn't afford legal representation. And when you're up against deadlines, what we had to settle for, you know, to get to this point was basically a warm body with a law degree. And right. it's like, well, I know well, this is not, you know, oh, this isn't your field of expertise, whether it's election law or anything, but you got a law degree, right? Okay, well, here, that that's good enough for us. We don't. <laughs> Let's go. Woo! Right, right. And then we get, to, you know, then we slam into this uh, this brick wall, this stone wall of a machine, powers that be machine. And it's like, uh-oh, we need a little more gasoline in our um, gas tank to push through this stone wall. And, you know, we, we you know, we basically were DOA on arrival in our trial date. And it's, oh, it's just, oh. I mean, it's disheartening, but uh, now we're on to the next level. So we're looking for, uh, you know, again, as I mentioned, civil, uh, a civil appeals attorney. So that's what, we, yeah, that's what we're putting out now to the listeners to say we need to find a really kick-ass civil appeals attorney because they're, you know, in a, in this city like Los Angeles, you know, they're out there. Um so we're going to put that out there. But it seems it's very interesting to me, guys, that, you know, here you are trying to help the homeless and the city claims to constantly be looking for always ways to help the homeless. But yet you have to file a lawsuit against the people that say they're trying to help the homeless. <laughs> right. So that right, right. there is on- Tells you all the all the episodes we've done. You know, you've always told us how it's the bureaucracy of the government, and it, it's almost like once again, this is an example of big big you know city government coming down on the little guys. It just seems like it's the dog chasing the tail. You know, it. I, I guess I'm trying to figure well, out well, what, what would they. If I, yeah, go ahead. If I, if if you can let me jump in, and so um, it's much bigger than. You know the dog chasing its tail. There is, uh, it is some of that there, but you know, the, like the classic story, David versus Goliath. Mm-hmm. You know, this is David versus maybe ten Goliath, Goliaths, all at, at the same time. Right. And, you know, you know, you know, one or two, only a handful of stones to try to cast at these folks. And so, you know, we're looking at, of course, we mentioned, um, you know, the powers that be in government. Um, you know, we know we have to. It's a must, especially in downtown Los Angeles, where the real estate prices are, are, are you know, this, the land in California is, is premium. And mm. so, of course, the, the, the real estate developers are looking at Skid Row like, boy, they're licking their chops. They can't wait to, you know, get into uh, Skid Row, get rid of homeless folks and then just, you know, go willy nilly and come up with some amazing multi-billion dollar projects that, you know, if once we're gone. Um, but hello, we've been here for a hundred years, over a hundred years. You can't just come in and, and, I mean, it's, it's amazing how, 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 you know, the situation is set up over all these years. And so you and so I said all that to say, you have to cl- include the downtown business sector mm-hmm. as a whole nother Goliath. Right. And, well, you know, then, you know, and, and it goes on and on from there, but those are the, those are the two biggest ones. And so, um, you know, it's just it's just amazing how far their reach is. You know, there's billions, uh, billions of of dollars of international investment overseas waiting to be poured in specifically into downtown Los Angeles. And so, you know, we got the Olympics coming in 2028 and the World Cup in 2026 before that. And so, and there's a constant stream of uh, tour international tourism and commerce into the downtown Los Angeles area. And so, you know, we we understand what the true fight is about, and so they feel that, 
the creation of a Skid Row Neighborhood Council would not be in their best interest from a business standpoint. And our whole thing is, you know, we're trying to survive and get help. And so they want, they say, have these big press conferences, as you mentioned, that, mm-hmm. oh, they're here to help, but they help in the way that they, in a manner that they control. And so because of Skid Row Neighborhood Council, they wouldn't control it. It'd be, you know, uh, 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 solutions independent from their controlled efforts. Oh, we, they've got a problem with it. And then also, too, it'd be very, extremely, virtually impossible for the powers that be to you know, el- completely eliminate Skid Row if there's a Skid Row Neighborhood Council governing body that's governing that area. So well, there's, let me there's a you. whole lot more to this. So now, let me, if any of your listeners are very, really, really interested um, in, in, in the nuances, you know, we have a website, skidrowneighborhoodcouncil.com. It's real simple. But then, you know, we've got exhibits. There's a, an exhibit, we, you know, we have a posting called Addendum A. And, you know, myself and and, and, and other uh, Skid Row Neighborhood Council Formation Committee members compiled this information. And we name names. We Good. name names. It's such a it's such a detailed document. You know, people are saying, "Oh, it's a great read. It's like a a novel." You know, get a, a blanket and, a, and a, a strong cup of coffee and just sip away and read. And we literally walk it down from from step one to step off. It's an amazing read. I had to step back and glance at it once it was completed. And it's like, wow, this is amazing. And so I've even got the uh, a uh, college student that's uh, creating this first screenplay based off of this addendum A, and he said it's just a, a, a treasure trove of information and inside in the government, inside, you know, corruption, and and, it, and he said at the same time, while it's so fascinating, it's absolutely disheartening to know, you know, what, what's being done to, you know, some of the most vulnerable people in this entire country. Right. But uh, check it out. It's titled Addendum A. Uh, yeah, and it's created by our Skid Row Neighborhood Council Formation Committee. And again, it's Skid Row Neighborhood Council dot com committee dot com. Skid Row Neighborhood Council dot com. Council. Yes. Okay, that's where we're going to post that on our our pages as well, so people can look at it. And like, because yeah, it's actually in the link right now, Jasper. It's oh, it is. There. Oh, perfect. Yeah, oh, great. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So, because so, I, I so think that's I, what people, I asked this is. So if I may, I, I request this. There's one thing to have our link to our website, skillonlevelcouncil.com. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could add a whole nother link to the addendum A you document it. itself so people right can now. get right to it. So, you know, yeah. I mean, it's so we Like, again, we name names. It goes all the way to the to the top of uh, City Hall. And so that was another reason why, you know, the city wanted to bury this effort, bury, you know, you know who knows. There, there are people in our community saying that, you know, there's backroom deals made on on this uh, on this decision from our trial, and so the, you know we, we don't want to dwell on on those types of things because for me, being the chair, I have to lead the effort, mm-hmm. and so I'm not moping. You know, I'm not you know crying and boohooing. It's like, well, we got to keep moving forward. So the next, what's the next step? The next step is you know the appeal process. The appeal so, process, yeah. Um, you know, so again, but we can, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know. Go pro per and be be our own uh, council. It's like no, we need representation, and so again, we appreciate this program and this platform to allow us to come out and share, you know, publicly with those folks. It's like come one, come all. I'll give out my phone number, email address, whatever folks need. Reach out to us. You know, we, you know, we, you know, there's a lot of right now of a couple, we got a couple of leads 
and they're saying, oh, we want to hear, you know, what the judges, you know, the final rulings of the court. Well, we don't, you know, we don't have that yet. Well, we do have the, the judge's tentative ruling, which um, usually it's given out anywhere from a day or two, uh, definitely, you know, a significant amount of hours prior to the court date. Um, ours was giving, you know, we're live in court and there are other people saying, Hey, I looked online. There's no tentative ruling. It what normally is a tentative ruling done. Why isn't one, ha- why hasn't one been released? And, and virtually literally while we're standing there talking, I don't know why there isn't one. Maybe that's, you know, not going to happen. Or maybe we're going to have to argue in case maybe the judge has questions. And then all of a sudden here comes this tentative ruling only moments before, the judge calls the case, and we're flipping, you know, our legal team's flipping through papers. Wait, 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 wait. You know, that's it, and trying to come up and create that. So our, our whole entire game plan immediately went out the window, and then we had to focus on, uh, or, you know, replying and responding to the tenet, judge's tentative ruling, which we could see right there before it was called that he was leaning against us. And so while I'm looking over the shoulder of our legal team, it's like I could see that it's virtually it was just, you know, the technicality stuff that I mentioned earlier. Well, my question is the the attorneys representing the city were were they just like loaded down with attorneys? Um, you know, they had one one lead attorney that was assigned specifically to our case uh that she was replaced. She replaced one other person when we first filed. There was someone that appeared. They replaced then when it well, I guess when they saw we were serious they brought, you know, this this female, this girl in, this gal in, and she was amazing. She was there the, the rest of the time. And when it, the closer it got to trial, there were other members as well. So, but in court for our trial, there were two representatives that I, that actually stood up representing the city. And so when they were there simply to talk about why they're saying there was no, the voting was legit and there should not be, any other discussion that the voting went down the way it should, they're not there trying to, were they trying to say why they don't want this, you guys to form a council? We, or no, we didn't get a, that far. We, we right. didn't get that far. Again, what they, they were, they were arguing uh, technicalities. So right. this is a, this, you know, this proceeding, you know, we're the, the plaintiff. So the burden of proof is on us. And so what they're saying is in order for us to bring forth, you know, a writ of a mandamus, there is a requirement, you know, of a citation of, you know, case law to say, based on these grounds, you know, this is why we're bringing this forth. And we didn't do that. We just jumped right into our, the merits of our case mm-hmm. because that, you know, I, that's how I wrote it up. I turned it over to our legal team and we said, okay, they're going to add the legal lease on it, whatever they need to do. But, you know, we know the case better than the legal team. So we have to write it out first. We write it out first and then turn it over and okay, you know, do what you do. And so this wasn't, again, this wasn't their field of expertise. So we were extremely lacking in that regard. And the, the documentation that we put forth allowed the city to not challenge the merits of the case. So they never argued, they never denied, they never opposed anything that we put forth, right. which made everything that we put forth stand as absolute truth. Mm-hmm. Um, what they did was they challenged us based on the technicality because we there, there are certain requirements in terms of burden proof and then and the other points that we were making that we didn't put forth and they challenged us challenged those technicalities and the judge again sided with them based on those technicalities but they never at any point uh, put forth an argument to what uh, the merits what we put forth. Well, and again, that's it's like the technicality is just a way to. 
you know, you're fighting, you know, they say you can't fight city hall kind of thing. But I, I, it's almost like when you talked in the past about how hard it is for the homeless to even get services because there's always some technicality or some loophole that you got to get through to get the services. It's just, once again, this plays right into the bureaucratic governmental bullshit of, of the whole homelessness crisis. Cause I can't go anywhere now without getting into a discussion with somebody in LA about the homeless situation. Sure. I kind of want to start taping it with my phone because people, it's fascinating to hear people's ideas of why they think, you know, what, what could be done or, or I'm going to be honest. I don't know, JW, if you feel this way, but what I hear constantly, I was just at lunch yesterday with a, with a friend and her whole thing was, well, it just seems it just seems too overwhelming. You know, mm-hmm. it just seems like there's just no way to get on top of this. And I started explaining to her about my feelings about the how it's becoming big business and, you know, jobs are being created around these charities, quote unquote. Um, mm-hmm. And the big, you know, the, the higher numbers of homelessness, the bigger the number, the better the funding. But then that brings with it jobs for people to work supposedly helping the homeless it just becomes this huge industry but when i start talking like that i see people's eyes glaze (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when we're talking about trump and our government right now you know there's a lot of people that will say to me well jesper i don't really i don't really follow politics or whatever so and and Mm -hmm. i'm finding that in la with a lot of people i guess it's too hard to face and so they'd rather just say I, I, I don't really understand what's going on so that's yeah. an uphill battle with people you know what I, what I went you know I, I, if, I, if I may there's a lot of times when I give guest lectures matter of fact I just recently was on the panel at the Cal State Northridge it was an amazing rich panel with uh, you know 10 to 15 panelists from all different aspects of uh, homelessness and, you know, of course, so so the, your listeners that don't know, I'm 100% grassroots. I'm not a nonprofit. You know, I don't I don't receive any money or a salary for what I do. Um, you know, again, 13, 13 years, zero funding. I represent the people. And so, um, you know, in analyzing the situation. So when I first came to Skid Row, I thought I'll just n- quite naturally plug into the system that's already in place. It's not like it's just completely overlooked. There's a system. It's a little disarray. Let me just come in. You know, use my ingenuity and know-how, connect some dots. You know, you know, <laughs> create a couple of meetings. You know, get a couple of decisions on the table, and voila! You know, six to eight months tops, and then all of a sudden, shit. Um, you know, to realize, you know, what what, what Jasper is, is, is describing is, is what I've been saying, calling calling for years, poverty pimping. Yeah. And so there are a lot of there are a lot of not, and it's not just limited to nonprofits. You know, but there's you know government agencies. Um, and many other entities that create this poverty pimping network so that as long as homelessness continues to exist, you know, there are ent- people and in, in, in entities in this country that have learned how to monetize homelessness. And so we've, mm-hmm. in Skid Row alone, we've got CEOs and executive directors that are making six-figure salaries as high as two and $300,000 a year. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. all upper-level management. That, you know, even, even within it, it, it doesn't stop there because it goes all the way to Washington, D.C., and the, and the parameters and the, and, and the regulations are so loose that, you know, the language that's on the books is that, you know, if you get a million dollar 
grant from somewhere, you know, you're only required to like five to ten, only five to ten percent actually has to go towards the cost. Right. The cost, the rest of it can go towards administration. When we say administration, you know, those are salaries, you know, they got to pay rent and lights and, you know, and then argument, you know, from some of these nonprofit charity groups saying, well, we got to have the lights on and the doors open if in order for us to help the people. And right. we, yeah, but you won't, by the time the people come in the door, there's no money, no Left funding to, help to actually help the people. Right. And so yeah. it's like, how can there, it, it, you know, it, it's a travesty. And so, you know, I try to give folks, you know, the, you know, just the simplest of explanations. For instance, let's just say at face value, there's a million homeless people. Okay. So now based on the regulations that are coming out of HUD, for those that don't know, it's the Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD. Uh, right now, it's run by, uh, by led ben by uh, Dr. Ben Carson, and he's and a so, brain surgeon. So, let's, so the mm-hmm. parameters coming out of Washington D.C. are, uh, you know, because homeless folks can't take care of themselves, that's why they're in this condition. They need caretakers to take care of them. So, at a one-to-one ratio, if there are one million simple math, if there are one million homeless people, there one million uh, caretakers are needed to take care of them. And so, then all this funding is allocated to the nonprofit sector to create jobs in the form of, of, of caretakers at, you know, one-to-one ratio. So there's a million jobs that are created. When, when, when uh, President Obama was in office, you know, when he was talking about he has to grow the middle class, what that meant to us all the way in, in Skid Row is if there's one million homeless folks, we're going to, you know, raise that from one million to two million. And now through HUD regulations, we can actually create funded, create the, uh, increase the jobs also from one million to two million at a one to one ratio. And so now they can pat themselves on the back and have big press conferences about how they just created a million jobs, you know, in, in the nonprofit sector for homelessness. But they don't talk about the one million homeless folks that they just created. And so that's basically what they, you know, all of a sudden they tighten up the rules and regulations on uh, everything from how law enforcement criminalizes folks, uh, folks getting evicted, requirements through, you know, a lot of housing and regulations, raising real estate prices, and the gamut. There's a whole system, a whole uh, wealth of tools that they use to basically reduce people to a state of homelessness. And so, um, you know, that's, you know, how the poverty pimpet. At, on the base, on the basics, in terms of simple math, and so once these folks in the mid, let's say in the mid '90s, they learn how to monetize homelessness, and that's what they all, what it is. Is like now it's job security as long as homeless people are on the sidewalk, and the reason right. why you're seeing more and more people on the sidewalk because there are more and more multi-billion-dollar funding pots that are being created, and so now homelessness in all of America is a multi-billion-dollar industry. It's the same as the automotive industry, and you know America prides itself on big industries because mm-hmm. of the big jobs. And so now the president, even if it's the current administration, they can't, you know, when as they talk about they want to come in in homelessness. The biggest problem is they got to figure out they don't want to put millions of Americans out of work. So how, what do they if they got rid of the you know the million or the two million homeless folks, you got to get rid of the million to two million jobs. What are they right. going to do for those folks and how they feed for their families off of this homeless situation? And that's why things are slow to develop because they don't want to put hardworking Americans out of a job. Well, and it's similar to what I talk about with big pharma with the can like the cancer industry that's cancer became a multi-billion dollar industry it's much more profitable to just treat people rather than cure the problem same with hiv and aids 
that's become a huge multi-billion dollar industry. So what you're saying is like, I'm just repeating and agreeing. Yeah. Now homelessness is an industry among itself. You know, it is a multi-million dollar, soon to be billion dollar industry. But the other question. No, no, no. It uh, already is a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. It already is. And, 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 in November of 2016, the you know based on the the false media propaganda, uh, you know the taxpayer the taxpayers voted to tax themselves, and Measure HHH was created uh, approved, and that was 1.2 billion dollars for housing. Um, in March of 2017, uh, there are single H is uh, 355 million over 10 years. That's a cute way of saying four billion dollars. No, no, these are brand two of the newest multi-billion dollar funding pots and it goes on from there there's uh, from state in sacramento there's two billion dollar uh funding pot that was redirected from the uh the uh prop 63 the california reducing disparities uh, pro- uh project which is the mental health services act and i mean a lot of people don't know i mean there's billions and billions of dollars all over the place and then the highest one biggest one is the newest one is congresswoman maxine waters she's putting forth her uh ending homelessness act and that's uh 13 billion dollars and that's on the table right now and so it, it's not and, and, on its and way to become a multi-billion you, dollar industry. About- it already is what do you think about her act? Is it legit? What is what what is her bill? What's her proposal? Well, 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 you know, you know, she cares about her community, and you know, she's a fighter. So, uh-huh. you know, we respect that. You know, unfortunately, she doesn't represent us in Skid Row. But once homelessness really spread wide, uh, rampant through her community, and her whole thing is, you know, and I've talked to some of some of her staff members and let her know, like uh, it, it's only there's not enough being done because, again, the poverty pimps are snatching the majority of the funding. There's nothing left. So she's like, well, what if we, you know, in significantly increase the funding pot so the poverty pimps take theirs, but there's still, even after that, there's still enough money to help people. And so that's a, a definitely a different approach is like mm-hmm. instead of trying to, instead of, try, you know, trying to stop the rat infestation, it's like, well, we're going to factor those into you know, the solution, and then we're going to just increase, you know, increase the resources with with the rat infestation, you know, factored in, and then there still should be enough left over to actually help the people. So that's a a different approach, and so that's a plus. Somebody's trying something different because you can't uh, uproot the poverty pips out of this system the way the the, the laws and regulations are written coming out of Washington, D.C. Right. Well, I, I like that actually. Of course, I'm you know the skeptic in me goes on to say, well, trust me, if there's whatever that extra that's left over that's supposed to go back to the homeless, somebody will come in and figure out a way to. Oh, absolutely, to, absolutely. To take it. Just like right now with uh, Measure H is is 100% for services. Um, now because law enforcement, so like if all of a sudden there's outreach teams as far as mental health, sanitation, you know, they put in these task force, these crews to go out and deal with the encampments, the housing folks, all of that. So they'll have, uh, you know, law enforcement with them. So now law enforcement is now writing grants and saying, and saying, we, Hey, we, we're entitled to, uh, that services funding because we're part of the services teams. 
Right. And so now you got some law enforcement because we got their <laughs> own budgets, and now they're like, "Hey, we're part of the uh, homeless solutions budgets for the services teams, and so we're you know we qualify, so now we can get some of that funding as well." And so no, you know, no one's going to say no to law enforcement apparently. And now they're you know they got their greedy paws in this uh, poverty pimp in these funding pots as well. Well, okay, and so the, guys, the other question, the other thing that comes up all the time is, everybody says to me, "Well, who's who's in charge? Is it the mayor?" I people keep saying, "Well, who do we complain to, uh, Mayor Garcetti? You know, who do you write to? Who do you reach out to? Who do you, how, you know, the people I meet that want to feel like they're doing something to, to voice their concerns or go up against the politicians." But everybody, it just seems like it's easy to point to uh, Mayor Garcetti. Um, but like you've said before, he's just kind of like a figurehead, right? I mean, he's just kind of like a face that's put out there. And in your opinion, do you think he actually is helping the cause or is he doing anything to hurt it? Well, that's a great question, you know, in terms of who, who do folks complain to? And so, you know, which is one of my top five questions I get all the time. And so just to explain in a way that everyone can understand quickly, uh, because we run out of time, I still got other stuff I want to get to. We already seem to run out of time on this show. But so the thing is, uh, you know, there's three layers of politics, local, state, and federal. And you come all the way down. So obviously in this country, low federal is uh, Washington, D.C., here in the state of California, uh, that's in Sacramento, the state politics, and then here on the local level is two two levels. It's Los Angeles City and the County of Los Angeles, and so the Los Angeles City is one of 88 cities inside of Los Angeles County. So while the county has governance over eight, all 88 cities, they defer to each and every one of those city leaders to handle their own city. So city of Los Angeles is large enough and has its own significant funding um, where, you know, the mayor, the position of as mayor, you know, can, can run their city um, as it comes to homes. But then there's um, at the end of the day, the city's budget is smaller than the county's budget. So understand in Los Angeles, the city uh, provides housing. So the housing authority, uh, you know, the housing development entities, that's the Los Angeles City. When it comes to the services, that's L.A. County. So whether it's, you know, Department of Mental Health, uh, Department of Public Health, you know, Behavioral Health, every, you know, uh, uh, Department of Public and, you know, uh, Social Services, you know, uh, Department of Children and Family Services, the services component, that's the county of Los Angeles. So the mayor can't doesn't regulate them so the LA County has a board of supervisors which is five people and there are 11 million approximately 11 million constituents in LA County and so some people saying that's you know too few uh governing uh you know uh, positions so when you look at Garcetti and so now the whole thing is the funding pots because the city of Los Angeles has and so you know when when the mayor is balancing the budget and, of course, you want to spread it out. You know, they never – somehow politics works with all this money, trillions and trillions of dollars that come in. Uncle Sam collects on taxes every year. But when, it, you know, it spreads out from, you know, Washington, D.C. to Sacramento to Los Angeles, there's never enough annually and never enough to fund all everyone's projects. Um, so they got to spread around. So that's why, a lot, you know, when more – when homelessness sucks up so much more of – the uh, the city's annual budget. That means you know there's less treatment for the broken street lights and the potholes mm, and mm-hmm. other other things in the uh, in the city. And so they have to look to external 
sources for additional funding. So they look to the state and they look to the federal. And so, of course, the state funding comes with uh, regulations and requirements, same thing on the federal level. And so, you know, now it's up to Garcetti to have a network uh, network with these entities from the governor of Sacramento to, you know, the president of Washington, D.C. to try to, you know, buddy-buddy to, you know, to, you know, charm them up so they can get more funding this way because what happens in Washington, D.C., when they set uh, solutions, it's got to be for you know, spread out across the entire country. And, LA, and, you know, of course, L.A. is, you know, within the state of California. And so in the state of California, there are 58 counties. Los Angeles County is just one of them. And so, you know, when it comes from Washington, D.C., it sounds like significant numbers. When you break it down, you know, 50 states and in California, 58 counties, and then L.A. County, 88 cities, and comes down to the city of L.A., the, the money gets it, through every step. It, the money gets eaten up. And so it's, it's virtually impossible for, you know, any any person – that's uh, in the mayor position to come up with the viable solutions that are actually going to work within the within the balanced budget. And so let me just close with this: that uh, no present uh, politician has run on a campaign platform as an expert in homelessness. So what they do is they defer to the track records of their nonprofit partners, whoever they line up with, and say use them to validate, you know, their so-called expertise. On the subject matter, and so, but those are the poverty pimps are who they're connecting with. So, whatever solutions that they get talked into, the politicians get talked into uh, uh, creating and approving, are only going to serve the poverty pimp situation. And so, it's you know, it's impossible to go away from that when they're you know connected. They create an umbilical cord and connected directly to the poverty pimping system. Right. Well, let me let me ask you just for uh, just keeping it to Skid Row. If I if I said to you like, so General Jeff, what is the number one most urgent need right now in Skid Row? If you had to prioritize, like what's the, the <laughs> for me the Skid Row Neighborhood Council? <laughs> right, right, right. You know, for me, but you know, um, so so there's gonna take a little, a little bit longer of a fight. Obviously, if people are houseless, then they need. Housing and so through from Washington D.C. is the you know is so it still goes back to federal because the, all the rules and regulations for housing you know ultimately come from Washington D.C. Department of Housing and Urban Development which is HUD which we mentioned right. is run currently run by Dr. Ben Carson and they which set is, the perimeters which is a joke, so, which is a joke within itself but go ahead sure and so but that's you know and that's not something that just happened it's been that way for decades and so right. Um, the nonprofit organizations, you know, if you if they were if they're a housing provider, um, they're they're going to get approved for funding based on, you know, the regulations that are on the table, and so they have to, you know, adhere to what's being said, and so that's how Washington D.C. has the ultimate power over. So if, even when we say local situation, sure it's local, but it's governed, you know, federal governance because that's where the significant funding is, and so a lot of nonprofits get caught up in the poverty pimping circle because they've got to chase after the funding and then right. they chase after the funding, just like the poverty pimps do and they get caught up in it. So you got the big, uh, nonprofits, you got the grassroots nonprofits, everybody's chasing funding. Cause even if you've got a wonderful call that you want to do, it's like, man, but just for a couple of extra bucks, I can help that many more people with a little bit more funding. They start chasing a little bit more funding. Once you chase it, you, you got to fulfill those requirements. Now, 
you're no longer, you know, serving your cause or your purpose. Now you're, mm-hmm. you know, chasing after the funding, and you just like just wind up, you know, your, your morals wind up getting compromised just in that one little shift. Well, and then let me ask you, like, uh, when it comes to the state level, like with the governor, but I'm assuming when it, when say this when the state state gets funding from the government of uh, the federal government, I mean it's allocated down through all the cities, right? I mean because we we've, we've got counties, counties, there are 58 the counties, counties, in, the, counties. in the state of California. Okay. So it's county. So some stuff goes to all the counties. There's different funding pots that go directly to uh, cities. It, it's multiple ways that it breaks down. And so the governor also has, um, at the governor's discretion, can allocate funding to a specific cause or purpose. And so uh, the current governor, Gavin Newsom, he created, soon as soon as he got in, in the office, um, he just recently got there, he created a $1 billion funding pot to address homelessness in the entire state of California. Mm-hmm. Just you know, just a quick move, like day like right. day one or day two. Let, let you know, let just billion dollars. Let me just bam, get that bam, 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 and that'll be emotions. So the specifics, we'll work out the details later. But we want to create this billion dollar funding pot, and bam. So and that was a and, quick move that he did, and so that you know energizes us on boots on the ground. You know, we're waiting for something to trickle down to us, and you know the problem is it's like a drizzle. You know, all the all all the resources, you know, dry, evaporate before it hits the ground. And so, you know, we've seen all these hearing about all these billions of dollars in funding pots, but it's evaporating in, in thin air. And so it never reaches the ground. So the people don't really get the help they need. Well, and it's frustrating, but that's that's what's the system that's in place right now. Because I think about it, like when I'm thinking of the state of California, you've got San Francisco, L.A., San Diego. Yes. Palm yes. Springs, all the other cities. So, is there a priority, or is it supposed to just be equally distributed? It seems like L.A. it would go to the the cities with the most number of homelessness, but that may not be the case. Uh, there's so many different nuances, you know. Yeah. Obviously, you know, it's like they have these all these formulas and factors and metrics that you know justify, and the metrics can change, you know, annually. You know, it's, that's why I said it's like, you know, the mayors and, and the, the governor, you know, they got to, you know, the mayors have to uh, network with the and, and stay close with the governor. Who have mm-hmm. case on the governor has to, you know, stay close to Washington, D.C. You know, it's about chasing the funders. So if you stay in good graces, you know, you increase your chances of, you know, of, of likability. And then, therefore, you increase your chances of possibly getting more funded. And, you know, God forbid if there was somebody in the White House that, you know, you know, was really focused on, you know, being liked and, and brown nosed in order for you to get something. But, you know, that's a different subject. And so um, we're, you know, just was subjected to, you know, in terms of, you know, the game of politics. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this is, is a game of politics. And so, you know, funding streams all over the place. But it's a matter of in terms of the great politicians are like squirrels. They're great, you know, gatherers of, you know, nuts. And so they gather and then they save them up, store them up for winter and then allocate them, you know, accordingly. So, but, you know, it's, it's extremely difficult. No one man can navigate this entire system by themselves. So you have to build a network, build a team. And, you know, if everybody's on the same page, you know, things can happen in a timely manner. But if there's, all it takes is one poverty pimp to, to ruin the whole life. Well, what do you think about then, the you know, idea? The whole, the whole effort what, is compromised. 
what do you think about the idea when people have said to me, well, what about the private sector? And let's just be hypothetical ideal here. If, if, a, if a Tyler Perry, an Oprah Winfrey, a Tom Steyer, a, if all the billionaires that are in this country, and not to mention the multi-multi-millionaires that live just in Los Angeles, Jay-Z and all these people, if they galvanized together and just took, for example, just focused on Skid Row, couldn't they privately, with just their amount of money, come into Skid Row and take the govern take it out of the government's hands and say we're gonna we're gonna take this over ourselves. We're gonna build housing. We're gonna provide funding ourselves, and we're gonna hire people that run it. That's not part of the government. Is that just too effing ideal to even think about, or is that possible? Yeah, that's not real. the way. So the whole thing is about what's on the table right now and the mm-hmm. way government in the United States of America is set up right now. That's virtually impossible to come up with that such a uh, independent solution because all housing ideals are subject to, you know, governance approval. So, again, if it's in the city of Los Angeles, it's subjected to the housing authority and the housing department and then also HUD. You know, it, it also is, is has is going to weigh in on that, and so if they don't like what you're talking, they don't care who you are. If you don't play right. ball with them, they're going to shut you down. And again, and, so, and, and then and then you know they, these these folks that you're mentioning, oh, they're rich. They're not they're not experts on homelessness. So the, at the as far as the data, and plus they're not going to be. They got to have their own. They have their own careers. They're right. not going to spend. You know, just all of a sudden, every day, all day dealing with homelessness. So they're going to need the organization or some individuals that know more about it that they can throw the keys to to say, here, drive this car and take care of it. Mm-hmm. And so then normally the easy, the easy fix is a nonprofit organization that deals directly with homelessness. And so right. those with what they call these track records have been in business, you know, 50 years to a hundred years. Okay. That's who they rely on. The resumes look great. They've gotten all this funding. They've housed all these people. They've helped all these people. And they go, okay, well, you know, the rich folks say, okay, that's who I choose there. And then they don't know. They assign the poverty pimps to run their effort, and you know, so there it is. So then, then that it immediately gets compromised. So as as much as it's you know designed to want to do well, if people don't know what to look out for, they're mm-hmm. going to fall right into every trap. You know, the poverty pimps have set up, and the poverty pimps is a big, it's super huge network on all aspects. To uh, and it's you know, it's not like oh the Illuminati. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's blatant. It's fair game. They don't have to cheat it. Where the regulations say you can take up to 90% of the funding and basically put it in your pocket, of course, they write it up salaries, administrative costs, blah, 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 and then only you know 5 to 10% can go for the cost. There's no need to cheat and hide and sneak that. It's, right, it's on the books, it's right. out in the open. Right. Well, again, it's back to what we talked about. It's the it's the bureaucracy, and you're you're like you said. Even if these wealthy people had the money, they're of course going to need to you know that's got to be a donation. It's got to be a tax write off. Therefore, it's got to be you know uh, accounted for. And you're right; it just all goes right back in the system again. So let me ask you too: with the Skid Row Neighborhood Council uh, Committee, when in the, in if you if you guys not if but when you are successful and you're able to have your own governing body for the for that uh, Skid Row, who how many people will be on that? Like who's in charge? Who will be in charge? Like you mentioned, you got to have people that know what they're doing. 
And so that's a great question. And so again, it's up. So the process is to create the the body itself. Once the body is created, the next layer is cre- you know proving the bylaws, which include how many board seats it'll be, what exactly are the boundaries, and you know what are the rules and regulations of self governance. And so that would have to be de- de- determined. So now, in order for the neighborhood council, all neighborhood councils are certified by the city of Los Angeles. So there's governance from the city of Los Angeles, and so they require that uh, a, a neighborhood council. Uh, be comprised of all stakeholders in the community. So, mm-hmm. like, so it's because that was a false misnomer that went out in the lead up to our election that we're trying to create a governing body for all 100% homeless residents. It's like, no, that's not what we're trying to do. And so, it's mandatory from City of Los Angeles. There are resident seats, there are business seats, you know, nonprofit seats, mm-hmm. and other stakeholder seats that we put forth. But you know, we put forth a generic number um, of 15. And right. we, you know, just as, just as a starting point, as a as a placeholder, so that once we get this and get through, then we have to get down to it and figure out how many seats are really going to be, uh, you know, how many board seats is actually going to be, and so that's the fun to hold the whole other fights after that, because then ultimately, when you create the board seats, ultimately it comes down to who's, you know, if there's, you know, 15 seats, whatever's got to be a odd number, who gets the controlling vote. Right, and so then is it going to be the business sector? Is it going to be the residents? And how do we, you know, because if the business sector, the powers that be, get the deciding factor, then it's going to be a dickens to try to get any true homeless solutions approved because it's just like you know where things are now. They, the you know, the the powerful downtown business sector will dominate the Skid Row Neighbor Council board, and then all of that, then that entire board is compromised. So. There's a lot to consider, but I'm like, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We haven't gotten right. there yet. Yeah. Well, listen, everybody, this is, of course, we've got the wonderful General Jeff Page here, at, and he's at at Go Skid Row Go. Um, you can follow us at uh, one-on-one with J. Cole, of course, Jasper Cole says, S-A-Y-S. And you can go to my website, jaspercole.com, and we're going to have um, links to all the, all the uh, information we've been giving out today. But, buddy, listen, I admire you. The fight, like you said, the fight is not over. It just continues. And our next yeah. goal now is to, to find a really great legal team. or a, a one, Let's start with one person. Uh, right. Somebody that can help on the appeals process on that side of yes. it. And, uh, and prove to people that you can fight City Hall and you have to just uh, keep doing it. Don't give up. And we're we're going to keep doing this every month and updating people and giving them more and more information. And we like to feel like we're trying to be, you know, feet on the ground as well. So really proud of you, man. Keep up the great work. Uh, thank you as always for joining us. Uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week, but we'll be back next month. First Thursday of March for our next uh, episode of Uh, heroes and horrors of homelessness so everyone thanks for joining us peace out have a great weekend coming up and we'll we'll talk to you next week thanks for checking out one-on-one with jasper cole check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released subscribe today on itunes stitcher and youtube